Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. You're listening to our series, Next. Don't forget to check us out online at www.newhopechurch.tv and follow us on all social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to New Hope Church, uh, Tweedy Campus, Friendswood Campus, Alvin Campus, Webster Campus. Glad that you're with us today. Going to start off on sort of a somber note. Some terrible things have happened in the last, you know, 48 hours or so in our nation. And uh, so just shows you that this world needs Jesus, man. And so uh, let's just keep those folks in our thoughts and prayers and let's keep on doing what we're supposed to be doing as a church. And that's... Uh, making Christ known. Today, we do begin a new series of lessons I'm calling Next. We're going to be talking about what's next for you, like you're an individual, but also us together, because together we make up the church family. Speaking of next, here's what's immediately next for us in this month. Uh, The movie series begins on August the 22nd. It's four weeks long, and it's going to be awesome. uh, we, We have such a great team here, and they're killing it, man. <laughs> they're killing it. I mean, I've, I've, we've done the recordings and now they're putting it all together and splitting up the movies and putting in all the scenes and all that. And I watched a couple of them, man, and I sat there in amazement and uh, just good stuff. So be sure and invite some friends for this. But the reason I want to mention this again is because on August 22nd, everything changes. All the service times change. Before August 22nd, nothing changes. After August 22nd, everything changes. When's everything change? August 20th the second, August 20th the second, August 22nd. And uh, so one of the things that's going to happen, which is kind of exciting, is that all of our campuses are going to begin on Thursday night. Thursday night begins the weekend for us from now on, beginning August the 22nd. And I'm so excited. What we're hoping is that we'll have a couple thousand people come out for our Thursday evening services. That would be great. That would be people who cannot attend the weekend because of work or travel. Also, it would be our Saturday and Wednesday people that are now attending together, those campuses that do have those services. Uh, It would be people who are right now in those two primetime services of 945 and what will be the 1115 on Sunday, who have kind of embedded themselves in those services, who may be need to hear from God to take a missions trip to Thursday night so that we can fit some more people in when all the people come back to church. And I don't know if you know this, but when new people come to church, they typically show up at the 945 or the 1115. But if they show up and they can't get in and they can't find a place to sit and so forth, uh, we may have missed an opportunity for them to really know Christ. And for those of you who know Christ, maybe. It's time for a mission trip. Uh, just saying. So, uh, and, 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 and lots of people show up this time of year. Lots of people show up when school goes back into session. So just be ready. And some of you, if you're looking around the room, you got some seats around the room. Those seats are about to disappear in a couple of weeks. Those seats are about to disappear. So quite suddenly for us, Thursday evening becomes a big deal. Also, at two of our campuses, we're adding some afternoon services at the 288 campus. There'll be a one o'clock and a five o'clock. The Allen campus is going to have going to 
to add a one o'clock service. If you attend the 288 campus or the Alvin campus and you cannot do Thursday night, perhaps you could do Sunday afternoon. Believe it or not, what we're gonna do on Sunday afternoon is we're gonna put the Texans game on, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> not, not at the front of the room, it's gonna be out in the lobby. Some of you are like, oh, the screen. No. We're gonna put it. We're going to put it out in the lobby at those campuses, and it's going to be at Alvin. It's going to be on the patio at 288. It's going to be in the pavilion. You can come before the service, get something to eat, watch the game for a little while uh, until the service begins or until there's a pick six, whichever comes first, and <laughs> you get depressed and want to spend time alone with the Lord, then you come into the auditoriums. But after the service, you can continue to watch the game if the Texans are winning. If the Texans are winning, the game will still be on. If the Texans are getting blown out, we're gonna turn it over to the Hallmark Channel <laughs> where there's always a happy ending. All right, so. <laughs> somebody asked me, they said, you have a Texas game on, so what about the Cowboys? You have the Cowboys, you're gonna, to, you know, set aside a TV for those Cowboy fans who wanted to watch the Cowboys game. And I, I'm gonna tell you what I told them, okay, so it just goes for everybody. This is a Bible-believing church, so, <laughs> you know. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So also, we're gonna, <laughs> we love our Cowboy fans. We love you guys, we love poking at you a little bit. It's all good. Move to Dallas. Um, <laughs> Did I say that out loud? Did that come out loud? I was thinking it. I don't know if I said it or not. Uh, also, we're going to have different food items in the afternoon services at 288 and Alvin. So we're experimenting with some things, but uh, it's going to be good, okay? So, and I know that this will be new for the people at the 288 campus, but uh, if you'll notice, there's five services on Sunday. I cannot preach five times. I can't, I can't do it. So what we're going to do is we're gonna alternate some video between the 9.45 and 11.15 service. And if that offends you, uh, and, and, and you, you, you don't like that, may I point out something? <laughs> I'm just saying, okay, there are other, if you wanna breathe the air I'm breathing, there are opportunities to do that, all right? <laughs> but I'm at max load and, uh, and, and, and I'm just saying, we, we're changing things because we want to do our best to carry out our mission as a church. That's what we're doing. We're not changing things to make people mad. We're changing things to do a better job at what God has called us to do. So what is our mission? Anybody know? Okay, write it down on your listening guide. To know Christ and make him known. It's on our doors, at all the exterior doors at all of our campuses. It's on uh, the stage at all of our campuses. You can barely see it here behind me, but it's on the, the stage at all of our campuses to know Christ and make him known. Awesome, awesome. The vast majority of people in the room at all of our campuses right now already know Christ. Fantastic. It's, it's a wonderful thing to know Christ. It is. I'm hoping there's some folks at church today who don't really know him because... Let me say this out loud for you. Jesus Christ came to this world, gave himself on the cross so that we could have our sins forgiven and have life eternal in heaven. That's an awesome gift. Is that not an awesome gift? Thank you, Lord, for that. So most of the people with us today already know Christ, but that doesn't mean that Christ is done with us. 
It does not mean that we can sit on the sidelines. Quite the contrary. There are still things that need to happen, that God wants to have happen in us, inside of us, for us to continue to grow in Him and to know Him more. In fact, God, I'll say this about me, and then I'll turn it and say it to you as well, okay? Let me say it. This is just a fact. God is not done with me yet. I am not yet the person that he wants me to become. There's still some things that he's working on in me to to make me more and more like Jesus Christ every day. That's the sanctification process of the Holy Spirit. Doing his work in me daily, hopefully changing me to look more like Christ. I'll I'll say it again. God's not done with me yet. You, You okay with that? Let me turn it to you now. God's not done with you yet either. He's still got some things he wants to do in you. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, God's not done with me yet. Now, now say this to him, God's not done with you either. <laughs> All right. So our base camp today that I want to uh, talk from today in the Bible is going to be Philippians chapter 3, one of my favorite books of the Bible. I got a lot of favorite books of the Bible. This is one of them. I got some that aren't at the top of my favorite list. Uh, they're, way, they're way down. Um, I've been, I read through my Bible all the time. I just finished Leviticus. Whoa. I'm into numbers. Okay. And I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you ever heard of Leviticus, that's where Leviticus is where you're reading through the Bible. You get to Leviticus and you get so bored you quit. Sorry. But I made it through Leviticus. Now I'm in the numbers and I'm making it, man. I'm making it. I'm making it through. But those, I'm just saying that because not every book in the Bible is my favorite, but this is one that just, man, there's so much here for us today in the world in which we live. Here's where I want to be. Here's where I want to begin. The apostle Paul says this, Philippians chapter three, verse 10. He says, I want to know Christ. That sounds like our mission statement, doesn't it? I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He says, just like our mission statement, I just want to know Christ. But he pushes it. He goes, I want to know everything. I want to know the power of Christ. I want to know the pain of Christ. I want to become more and more like him. And then from this text, he goes on in that chapter to list some things that need to happen in order for this to become a reality in his life. And uh, these are things that need to happen in our lives as well. And that's what I want to focus on today. Are you ready? You ready to get into the Lord's word? Lord, do your work in us today. Use your word to do your work to make us into the people you want us to become. On your listening guide. Number one, to know and grow in Christ, we must commit to his word. We must commit to his word. There's nothing better for spiritual growth than knowing Christ than being in his word every single day. This, my friends, is our spiritual daily bread. This is our spiritual daily bread. So if you, if you, if you were on a diet and your diet was said, you should only eat one meal a week, you would starve. You would starve. That would not be a good diet. You may, you may lose some weight. You may lose your life. But that would not be a healthy diet. Well, it's not healthy for us either, and I think some people do this, that the only intake they get of God's word is when they come to church. That's not how God ex- 
expected for it to be. We're supposed to eat of His Word daily so that we can know Him more and grow in Him more. How do I know that this is what He wants for us? Because when Jesus was leaving, He gave His disciples their marching orders. The marching orders we now call the Great Commission. I probably quoted a little too much around here. But Jesus was looking at the disciples. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, not on your listening guide, and teaching them, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. So Jesus is leaving. He's taught the disciples for three years. And he's leaving and he says, before I go, I want you to know this, all authority's been given to me. Now you go, you teach people what I have taught you. Okay, so you got the disciples, they go to teach. Not long after that, the apostle Paul joined the ranks of apostles. He was also teaching people the things of Christ. He was a great preacher. He wanted to travel. He wanted to see people. He wanted to preach. He wanted to see people come to Christ. But he wasn't writing down his sermons. He didn't have Alexa or Siri to listen in on him and transcribe what he was saying and send it to the government or Amazon, which is kind of freaky. And are you getting a little bit freaked out? Have you ever like been somewhere and thought something, then opened up your phone and there was an advertisement for what you thought? You know, you're like, oh, okay. So the apostle Paul didn't have someone transcribing everything he was saying, God wanted us to have these teachings. So he allowed the apostle Paul to be put in prison. The apostle Paul can't preach because he can't get to the people. So in order to get the word to people, he wrote it down. Boom. It has become most of the New Testament now for us. So from Jesus to the apostles to us, this is how we can know what God wants from us. These are the words that can help us to become more like Jesus intended for us. Now you would think since the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament was inspired to write it and was the one writing it or dictating it to someone who was transcribing it, you would think that he would be practically perfect. But instead he says this, Philippians 3.12, not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of. He says, I'm not there yet. The apostle Paul says, I'm not there yet. God's not done with me yet. If the apostle Paul can say that, then I can stand on the stage at church today and say, every single one of us has some knowing and growing to do as well, amen? In fact, the more a person grows in Christ, the more a person realizes that they need to grow in Christ. How many of you figured that out? In fact, how many of you learned as you've gotten older that you didn't have a clue back when you thought you knew you knew everything? You thought you knew everything. How many of you figured that out? How many of you wouldn't even like that person you were back then? You're like, man, I'm so glad I didn't have to live with myself back in the day. Same thing is true spiritually. The more mature we become, the more we see that we need to grow. Continuing in verse 13. But one thing I do for getting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The apostle Paul is saying, God is not done with me yet. I'm in process. I'm not the person I'm going to be, but thank God I'm not the person I used to be. And one of the main ways that God changes us 
is through his word. I'm just going to tell you something, guys. There is power in this book. There's power in this book. This book will change you if you let it get into you. Now, Hollywood sort of knows that there's something up here, although they can't put their finger on it. In fact, I was watching, I had some family in town last week and I'm turning on TV trying to find something for me and the dude to watch from my family. And, uh, and, and we ended up on uh, Denzel Washington, The Book of Eli. Denzel, greatest actor in the history of mankind. And, uh, and, and so we're watching The Book of Eli. I'm not telling you to watch it. If you've seen it, you know why I'm not telling you to watch it because it gets a little bloody in places. And the, the premise of the movie is this. He has this post-apocalyptic world, nuclear wars happened, all that. Uh, they burned all the books. And so he has what I guess is the last remaining copy of the Bible on the planet, or at least in the States. And so he's very protective of it, doesn't want anybody to know he has it, but he's marching somewhere. He's being led by God, you assume, to a place where the, the Bible's going to be reproduced. But he doesn't know that. He just knows he needs to take it and protect it. And so evil men along the way want to get the book from him because they know there's power in it and they want to use the power that's in the book for ill gotten gain. And, and so that's the premise of the entire movie. And it's a battle and he kills people and he eats a cat and uh, among other things. <laughs> but Hollywood kind of crept up to almost getting it right that there is power, not like they said, but there is, there's power. In fact, there's a, another movie. Sorry, I'm on movies right now because the movie series and those aren't, <laughs> not doing the book of Eli in the movie series. <laughs> There's another movie called The Apostle with Robert Duvall, Billy Bob Thornton, and uh, Farrah Fawcett. In that movie, Robert Duvall is a pastor. He does some bad things, uh, uh, which if you want to watch the movie, you'll see. And he escapes. He gets out of town because he doesn't want the law to catch up with him. He ends up out in the country somewhere, I think in Louisiana. Starts a little church. It's a very diverse church. They're rocking it and having a great time. Billy Bob Thornton doesn't like it. Shows up on his bulldozer. Billy Bob Thornton on his bulldozer. He's going to mash the church. He's going to knock the church over. So everybody comes out of the church. They're like, what is going on? And he's driving right toward the church. And Robert Duvall walks up with the Bible and he sets it down in front of the bulldozer and backs up. Billy Bob Thornton says, move that book. <laughs> is that good? Is that all right? Yeah, thank you. Move that book. And, and uh, Robert Duvall said, I'm not, I'm not moving that, that book. That's the Bible, son. You're going to have to run over it. Just run over the Bible, son. And he goes, I'm not going to run over. He moved that book. And he won't move it. And so finally, Billy Bob Thornton gets off the bulldozer to move it himself, walks down, leans down to pick up the Bible. And Robert Duvall meets him there and puts his hand on his shoulder. And he has like a spiritual religious experience when he touches, you know, not like that. But he, something happens. And. You know, we, we assume he found God as he touched the pages of the Bible and, and then the rest of the movie, he's helping the church. Okay, Hollywood got close, okay? They, they, they know, they don't know how to describe it because I think a lot of them don't have it, but they know there's power in this book, but it's not power like you can put jumper cables on. It's the power is when you let God's word get into you. That's when the power happens, when you read his word. Maybe you think, well, I don't know what to read. Well, read James like we did in the last series. Let that word get into you. Read the book of John. Read the book of Philippians like we're talking about today. Wait on Leviticus, but read 
But I'm just saying, getting into the New Testament and let God's word start to work on your heart. In fact, here's the, I, I know it has power, but watch this. People, this is a study that was done not too long ago that I read about recently. People who engage the Bible four or more times a week experience far less destructive behavior. 62% less drunkenness, 59% less pornography use, 59% less sexual sin, 45% less gambling. They also found engagement in the Bible enabled individuals to reduce bitterness by 40%, destructive thoughts by 32%, isolation by 32%, inability to forgive others by 31%, loneliness by 30%. I'm just telling you something. This book will change you. This book will change you. What's it going to change me into? More like Jesus. More like Jesus. And that's why some people are offended by this book. This book offends people because they don't, they don't want to be more like Jesus. They want to be more like themselves. They want to do what they want to do. They want to live their lives. They want to have their lifestyle. They want to do what they want to do. And so they want to rid their world, at least, of this book. And they want to marginalize the people in their lives and people of popularity who believe in this book. And I'm going to tell you what to do about that. Don't take it personally because those folks are just feeling some guilt and shame and they don't know how to process it. So what are we gonna do about it? What are we gonna do about those enemies of, of Christianity and of the church and of me and my faith? Here's what we're gonna do about it. We're gonna love them. Just gonna love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, and love them until they get it, all right? More about that next week. But just because someone doesn't like it does not change for us What's supposed to be next? Okay. Doesn't mean we as a church are going to do things differently when it comes to our foundation. Next. On the subject of next, our church has always and will continue to always stand on and teach God's word. That's our next. Even if it's not popular, that's our next. And you know what? I'm okay with people not being okay with me because when I die someday, I'm not going to stand before the critics of the Bible. I'm going to stand before the author of the Bible. And on that day, I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In fact, I'll take one well done from God over a million well dones from people. Amen. There's a great sort of somber passage in the Bible. It's uh, Jesus talking to his disciples. In John chapter 6, he had been drawing these huge crowds, but then his teaching got tougher, and people left. And now he's down to a handful of people, perhaps just his 12. We don't know for sure. Just his 12 hand-picked disciples. This section of Scripture in my Bible is uh, the, 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 the heading for this uh, paragraph is, Many Disciples Desert Jesus. Many Disciples Desert Jesus. Now, we, you know, I used to at least think when Jesus was doing ministry that the ordinary folks loved him. And we tend to have that focus in our mind that they're showing up, they're bringing their kids. He loves kids. He's healing everybody. Everything's puppy dogs and butterflies and there's Jesus and he's not making anybody mad except for the religious people and the Pharisees and everybody else is okay with Jesus. But right here in John 6, it says, many disciples desert Jesus. Disciples means follower. So many people who said they were following are not following anymore because Jesus is 
teaching got too difficult. And it happens. It still happens. People will want to follow Jesus until they realize that he wants maybe something differently from them. And then they quit following them. They take a detour. They're okay with Jesus saving them. They, everybody wants a savior, but a lot of people don't want Jesus telling them what to do. Save me, don't tell me what to do. Get me to heaven, but while we're here, don't tell me how to live my life. That's how a lot of people think about Christ. But for Christ, he's one and the same. He's Lord and savior. Right in this chapter, John chapter six down, verse 66, it says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then comes this heartbreaking question from Jesus. He looks at his 12 disciples and he says, you don't want to leave me too, do you? I mean, can you feel the pain in that? Everybody else is gone. You guys going to, you guys leaving me too? <laughs> and then Simon Peter, who's a little too honest, says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You, and another translation puts the word alone here. You alone have the words of eternal life. So Peter says, when Jesus says, are you guys leaving too? Peter's like, well, really, there's nobody else. We would if we could, but you know, we gotta stay here. You're, you're the Messiah, so we, come on, Peter. Now, I know that we have all maturity levels with us today, but I'm gonna put it out there, okay? There's gonna be a day for every single one of us when following this book is gonna to get tough. It's gonna to say the opposite of what we wanna do. We're gonna have a decision before us and we're gonna think, man, I really wanna do this and we're gonna read in his word. It's gonna lead us the opposite direction. It's gonna to be too difficult. There'll be a moment maybe where friends and maybe even family, this book will not be popular with them and they're gonna press us and say, do you really believe that? And Maybe some, some skeptics or critics of the Bible are gonna say, you really believe in a, a sky fairy and this old word is relevant for you today and you're supposed to, what, what are you thinking, man, to get with the times and to the world it won't make sense and maybe to us it won't make sense sometimes. I'm just gonna encourage you today, don't walk away from it. Stay in the word, stay in church, stay walking with Jesus because, good reason, he alone has the words that lead to eternal life and his word in us will not return to him void. It will accomplish the purpose for which he sent us. And if we stay in him, he's gonna grow us, church family. He's gonna, we're gonna know him more and we're gonna grow in him more to be the people that he wants us to become. Number two, to know and grow in Christ, we must live out what we know. Gotta, <clears throat> Live out what we know. God doesn't expect us to know everything in the Bible and to live it out 100% of the time, 100% correctly. But his expectation is that we are growing and that we are living out what we know. So we're knowing and growing and we're living out what we know. Now, before we read this next verse, remember, Paul had just said in Philippians chapter three, I'm not there yet, but I'm forgetting the past. I'm straining toward what God has for me next. Then verse 15. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things that if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. I want you to underline that last sentence there. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. So as followers of Christ, here's the bar, okay? By 
bar, I don't mean bar, I mean bar, okay? Have to clarify for some folks. Uh, here's the bar. We're growing and knowing him more by being in his word. We're growing and knowing him more and we're living out what we already know. Now let me put the cookies on the bottom shelf so that everybody can reach them here today. Jesus wants you to know him more while simultaneously living out what you know. Boom, to Jesus, our first point and our second point are really the same point. That we're in his word, that we're getting to know him more and that we're living out what we know. It's not like we know and grow and then an imaginary someday we start to live it out. No, you know something, you live it out. You know him, you live that out. You learn from him, you live that out. I used to, uh, back in the day, I was like lead volunteer recruiter for our church back when our church was smaller. And man, the church, God started blessing our church, lots of people coming and, but we always, we always need volunteers, okay? But back then it was like on my shoulders to get the majority of the volunteers and, 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 and get them into a ministry. So I'd, seriously, it was almost as bad. I'd be on the lobby and I would be meeting people and the, somebody would introduce themselves. Hey, pastor, we just moved from Ohio and we just love the church. I, Is this your first time? Yeah, it's our first time. Oh, that's awesome. Would you like to lead our children's ministry? Seriously, would you? No. I mean, it was about that bad because I was just grabbing people and saying, hey, you're here. It feels like you might be on board, so we need your help. Something I noticed back during that time period of being lead recruiter of volunteers here at New Hope Church was this, that oftentimes I heard something like this. I would say, man, we really need some help. We need some more greeters. We're low on greeters and we just need some people to smile and shake hands. And people would say something like this. They would say, oh, I wish I could, but right now I'm just really trying to like grow and know God. And I'm just, I'm working on that. And I really feel like I just need to focus you know, on me right now and grow and know and figure this out and then, you know, I'll help you eventually. But right now I'm like, what, what are you even saying? You got to memorize the book of Romans to shake a hand. Come on, man. And, and uh, I know I'm touching on a nerve with some people because there are people in church say like, I am not, I am not worthy. Hey, Jesus made you worthy. Jesus made you worthy. So you can help. You can help. You can get involved. You can live out your faith. Paul said, live up. Where'd he get that? Where'd Paul get that? Uh, Jesus, Matthew 7. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoa, wait a minute, Jesus. Because other parts of the Bible says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Jesus says, not everyone who calls on me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, so who gets saved, Jesus? Only the one who does the will of my Father and is, who is in heaven. Wait a minute, Jesus. Are you saying that we're saved by works? He goes on and says, nope. 
Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So a person can claim to know but not live it out, which means you don't really know, or you can do good without knowing him, but both scenarios miss the mark. Here it is again. If Jesus was preaching this sermon, these two points would be one. You know and are growing and you're living out your faith because to him, it's one and the same. You're knowing, growing, and living it out. Now, here are the verses that started Jesus down this trail. We're at verse 21, let's go to 19 and 20. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus by their fruit, you will recognize them. So I'm gonna leave you to wrestle with this verse personally, make your choice because ultimately it's up to you. But since this sermon is about me encouraging you to do the right thing, and not only that, but it's a proclamation of where we're going to stand as a church, let me say it out loud and with clarity so that you can hear it from the front of the room today. As a church, we're going to continue to stand on the foundation of God's word. We're gonna get up every day, we're gonna push people to know Christ more and to live out their commitment to him. And I'll just let you know, sometimes it's gonna be awesome. Sometimes it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be difficult. Sometimes it's gonna be fun. And sometimes it's gonna be painful. But it's okay because in the end, eternity is in the balance. And we want as many people, at this church, we want as many people as possible to know Jesus so that they can be at the party in heaven someday through the main gate and do you know where? To the left. Some of you don't know what that means. Long time ago in a sermon I'm preaching about going to heaven and I had just read Disney World figured out that when people come through the main gate that like 87% turn to the right. And I said, since everybody's gonna be going into heaven, turn it to the right, we wanna have a new hope party. So go in and turn to the left. We'll have a private area over there. <laughs> and then Howard Agnew, who's our Alvin campus pastor wrote a great song with that line in there about, you know, there's a wild rowdy crowd from New Hope Church down on the left and they're waiting for you or something like that. It was awesome. And so it's just kind of been something that's been in our history as a church. And so much so there was a gentleman that was passing away. He was an elderly guy. He was an engineer his whole life. And on his deathbed, on his deathbed, he was, he was saying things like this. He says, so I'm gonna go in the gate and I'm gonna turn left. But how far? Is it like a hundred feet? Or is it like a mile? Because I don't wanna miss the party. It was real for him because he was about to go. And let me tell you something, it's real for all of us, even if we can't figure it out yet. And this is what it's all about. In fact, real quick, number three. To know and grow in Christ, we must remember the next. If we're gonna make it through the nows in life, which are oftentimes difficult, we gotta remember the next. I can make it through something that's not good if I know something good is coming, right? Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I, as, oft, as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears. So he's crying about this. Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. That makes him shed tears. For them, for their destiny, verse 19, their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach and their 
glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, meaning it's all about them. It's all about their own desires. It's about following what they want, not following Christ. But, but you, 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 it's different for us. But our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. If you got your uh, driver's license, real quick, take out your driver's license. If you got it with you, take it out. I want you to look at something. Okay, it should, yeah, if you can turn up the lights at all of our campuses so they can see their own driver's license. First of all, check and see if it's expired. If it is, the police will be waiting at the door to give you a ride. Um, just kidding about that. But on your driver's license, right, mine is right next to my picture. I don't know where yours is, but right next to my picture is my address. How about you? Is your address on your driver's license? Okay, truth about your address. On your driver's license, your address is a temporary address. I don't care if you've lived there for 20 years and plan on living there for 50 more. That's a temporary address because you're an eternal being and you're only here for a short time. Your permanent address is in heaven. It's in heaven in the presence of God. You are a citizen of heaven, which here's the awesome news. That means while you have your driver's license with your temporary address on it, that anything that happens to you in this life all the junk that comes your way is also temporary, but the love of God is eternal. This is why the heroes of the faith could endure intense persecution because they knew that nothing that happened to them in the temporary could take away the next that God had for them. Continuing now, verse 20. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Hey, if you still got your license out, look at your picture. How many of you need a glorious body? Anybody need a glorious body? That is sad, isn't it? But I tell people that's what you really look like because you didn't get the pose and get the right angle and all that. This is what people are really seeing right here, which is semi-sad. Um, but someday you'll get a new body. You're going to see others who've gone before, including your loved ones. And we're going to have a party and there will be no more struggles, no more tears, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more medication, no more chemo, no more disease. It's all going to be good forevermore. And the best part is we get to see Jesus, the author and the finisher, finisher of our faith who went to the cross in our place and took the hits for our sins so we wouldn't have to, so that we could have forgiveness and everlasting life with God the Father in heaven, in his presence. But to get there, to get there, like he wants us to be there as mature followers of his. While we're here, while we're here, driver's license, while we're here, we gotta live here to let his word do his work in us, amen? Okay, I gotta let you guys go. Stand with me, please. Okay, so here's the deal. If, uh, even if you're brand new with us today for the very first time, here's how we kind of close out our services at our church. There will be some prayer partners right down here at the front. If you wanna accept Christ today, you need to make a decision for him of some kind. You need to rededicate whatever it is. Come on down, talk to prayer partners. Or if you need prayer for anything, come on down, we'll pray for you before you go today. Let's bow. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and your commitment to us through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I pray, God, that your word would continue to do its work through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, sanctifying us so that we look every day a little bit more like your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for his sacrifice, for your love for us through your Son, Jesus, and what he did for us. And it's in his powerful name that we pray and all the people said. God bless, guys. We'll see you next time.